You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and the interview subject I've got coming up for you is Scottish legend Les McEwen from the outfit Bay City Rollers. The reason for the conversation is to promote the 15 dates across Australia that the Bay City Rollers are performing across June and July of 2017. 15 dates. There you go. Anyway, Les is a legend and let's have a listen to what he has to say. Here we go. Rollers, welcome to the Scars and Guitars podcast. Congratulations on a stellar career. What's your take on the Bay City Rollers' place in the history of rock and pop music? Well, can't really, I don't know, to tell you the truth. I mean, I just was doing a couple of interviews this morning um, from your friends in Australia, and uh, I was just Thinking back, I mean, I'm 61 years old now. I was thinking back to when I was 19 years old and I came to Australia for the first time and how exciting it was. What an adventure. It was great. All the people there in Australia are absolutely lovely and they're still probably just as lovely as it ever was. Um, So I'm excited about coming back. I haven't been there for 10 years, so, yeah, come on, down. Wonderful. And... um... Look, the Bay City Rollers received the Sir Rio Starkus Living Legends Award at the 17th Scottish Music Awards in 2015. What did that mean to you? <laughs> uh, I tell you what, the best thing that happened to me so far was play with Rod Stewart to 20,000 people last Wednesday in the Glasgow Hydro. That was great. We did a, a chapter for the Celtic Foundation. Uh, and that was absolutely amazing. Wow, what a great gig. Well, uh, I'm, I'm so bummed that. Well, that sort of alludes to one of the questions that I had further down the list, but I'm going to bring it forward now. Now, one of our heroes in Australia is Tommy Rogic, but I think he's also a Scottish icon these days as well because he's just scored a famous goal the past week for Celtic to win, help them win the Scottish Cup final. So I imagine you're pretty chuffed with the result. Hey! Yeah, right on. <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, success is a great thing. I mean, it really is. I'm so lucky that I've had uh, the fans stick with me all these years. You know, I I thought they would get fed up with me, but they still want to hear me sing. So I'm very, very lucky about all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, I go to, like I said, I go to Japan every year. I do 150 plus gigs in the UK every year. People love to come and see us sing and play. So I'm, you could say, blessed if it's not too religious a word. So I'm back in my bed now. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm very good. I'm very good. And and uh, tell me something. It. I mean, I've read, I did quite a bit of preparation for the interview and it, at times, it wouldn't have been easy to be a Bay City roller with missing royalty t- missing royalty checks, questionable management practices by former managers and band members coming and going. Would you do it all over again? It was a bit of a it was a bit of a cruel uh, cruel uh, <laughs> a cruel life. Really, the manager was such a beast and um, a really bad person. But yeah, the thing is, he got he just get over it and move on, you know. If you let those people control you, you know, that's that's the worst thing that, that, that can happen to you. Don't let it control you. 
get over it. I mean, like the record company now is set up with us with all the money and all that stuff. So it wasn't as good as we wanted it to be, but they're back friends with us now. They're releasing records and they're happy and they paid us some money, you know. Not not the kind of money we wanted, but at least they they did they did a little bit towards saying, you know, oh, we're sorry <laughs> kind of thing. The the manager was uh, a real animal. Um, I I just got over it. I mean, I went to I had to do uh, well, I didn't have to do it, but I went to four months uh, rehabilitation. I wasn't about the manager. That was about my alcohol problem, and I did that back in two thousand and eight. And came out the other side reasonably adjusted, and went back in the road and uh, found my love again. So I'm happy about that. I was reading on, uh, you know, this is not a source that can be always, uh, you know, uh, crucially verified, but Wikipedia has an entry saying that you guys have sold over 300 million albums. Is that correct? No, I don't know about Wikipedia. I think it's a lot of bullshit, that one. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, it's pretty, that's pretty close to the true figure, really. Yeah. yeah. Be, maybe 250 million, something like that. But I wouldn't know about that because I I don't have the royalty check to prove it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, you did win that legal um, spa session with the Arista, I think it was with. Is that correct? It was in New York. Yeah. Yeah, no, good on you. You took them on and you you, you got at least part of what you were owed. Yeah, but the uh, the record companies have a history of doing that to artists that have provided so uh, so much um, success for the record companies themselves. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's good, mate, that you've got perspective on these things. You know things. what? Those re- yeah. yeah. Yeah, those record companies have to make enormous amounts of money to just to survive. Clive Davis is brilliant. A great. I, I, I like him as a friend. Uh, I was re- really quite, quite close to him. Um, and we had a good time. Um, of course, at the end of the day, the um, the record company didn't pay us the kind of money that we wanted, uh, or that we were due uh, bound by a record contract. But at the end of the day, we have settled with them now. We are friends with them now, and I'm happy that that's all been sorted out, and it's not an ongoing situation. Yeah, no, fantastic, mate. Yeah, yeah. So. In turn, we're talking about the band again. Um, so you're obviously the main man. You're up front. Has there anybody that's been with you um, through the journey ever since the seventies that's still in the band alongside of you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're the survivor. Uh, I put I put the band back together. Or I tried to put the band back together for two Christmas shows. 2015, 2016, the only people I could get who were willing to do it and all that kind of stuff were Alan and Stuart Wood. So we put the band back together and called it the Basic Royal Reunion for Christmas shows, 2015, 2016. And then it all kind of fell apart again, just like the old days. It was like, but I'm still pals with um, Alan. He's he's a great guy. But yeah. Um, He's a whole different thing. It's having uh, his wife, and it's just a bit of a problem. So I just sort of th- thought it's too much hassle. What keeps you going though? What keeps you motivated? Uh, <laughs> well, when I go out, um, when I go out to play 
concerts, uh, 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 I meet a sea of smiling faces, people who just want me to be the best that I can be and make them enjoy themselves. So that's what keeps me going. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, it, I'm not even going to say it's a cliche, but look, I, the the minuscule amount of well, I, I play in cover bands, so I was about to say minuscule amount of interaction that I have with fans. I'm playing in front of people that are drinking, right? So, but I see the same thing when I'm on stage and. I see 20 or 30 or 40 people or however many people there might be in a small room here in Brisbane or the Sunshine Coast, and they are, they're smiling, but I can only imagine what it would be for someone like your good self who's touring the world and you've got thousands of punters staring back at you and you really are a release or you're an outlet for them, but you're not just that either. You're also giving people an opportunity to relive part of their youth. That's right, that's right. That's the best thing about it all, and that's what I try to uh, try to. When I talk to the audience and stuff like that, I talk about those days back when we were all young and all that kind of stuff. It's great. I mean, I've only got, oh, I don't know how many years left, but hopefully I'll be alive for a long time. But uh, it's, 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 uh, it's great to be able to, to do this again and again and again. You know, I've been doing it for, let's see, I was in late to leave school when I was 15. So that was 19 something <laughs> yeah gosh a long time uh and i i just joined my uh i just joined a band and started to sing and everybody thought i was pretty good and next minute i was in the basic role next minute one of the chaps you know and then it's all been the same thing ever since i've never lost the love for singing never yeah no that's awesome mate and um i think when you love what you do it's again not not trying to allude to a cliche, but when you love what you do, people can't help but love you back for loving what you do. Oh, that's really nice to say that. Thank you very much. Yeah, but I think you're right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You can't say that's for sure. <laughs> no, that's right. And um, you alluded to something in in your previous statement. Um, you know, you have been doing this obviously a long time, and. So my question now is, if it all ended tomorrow, do you think you've achieved everything you wanted to with the Bay City Rollers and as a musician and an artist? No, I don't think it's going to end tomorrow, no. I've got a Australian tour to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think recently uh, I, I got a great chance to record some of the songs I wrote when I was a child, when I was 18, 19, when I was in the basic roles, I got a chance to record the songs again. It's actually available. If you pop over to iTunes, you can listen to it for free. It's called Les McEwen, Lost Songs. And I've got two albums worth of stuff. Like that. The, the next album is coming out in December. Lost Songs 2. Um, these are songs that I, I composed back when I was like 18, 19, 20, that kind of thing. And uh, they were lost because of people around at the time it told me the songs were crap <laughs> and uh and uh the song like asked and the producers and all that stuff so no 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 they're not good so now i'll be able to uh, record them with a, a great producer called john mclaughlin okay yep uh, he's from Glasgow, and uh yeah he, he loves the song so he loves my idea so i'm so excited about that it's like a new lease of life really i yeah. mean I can't tell you how great it is, but it is absolutely spiritually brilliant. So, 
Spiritually brilliant. Yeah, really good point because you've got to have that happiness of spirit and that certainly comes across. I did watch a few of your, your YouTube performances and you definitely look like as though you're up there having fun and you look like you're a born musician and performer too, so that usually helps. But um, my next question... Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my next question, I had the pleasure of uh, talking to John Steele, of course, the drummer in The Animals, um, not too long ago, and I asked him this question because a bit like... A bit like him, you're an original. Um, you've been doing this a long time, and you've been doing interviews for a long time as well. So this next question is a bit interesting, but are there any questions that you're tired of answering? Or are there any questions that keep on getting asked, you think, my God, not this again? Uh, not really. It really depends on the, the person who's asking the question. Yeah, I fair mean, enough. Yep. Okay. No, I, I must say, I do get... You've, you've obviously done a little bit of research. You've been on Google and you've Googled Les McCune or something like that. Um, but people who haven't done that is quite annoying. And that's actually usually people in the UK. And and mm-hmm. they ask me some basic fundamental questions like, you know, about the band in the past that you can easily find out on the internet. And they've asked me those questions. And I do get a little bit upset or let's say, a little bit frustrated when, you know, people have not done their homework, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I agree. I think when you get an opportunity to chat to someone like yourself, I think you've got to honour that by doing the research. And um, I think it's fun too, but, you know, it, you, you've got to look at this as a, as a... I look at this as a passion, actually. I'll share something with you quickly. I've recently resigned from my role in a telecommunications company as an account executive to do what I'm doing now full-time. Um so it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm following my passion, but I'm trying to monetize it and turn it into something. But doing all of the research is really a lot of fun. There's things I find out about people that I would never have found out if yeah. I wasn't incentivized, if you like, through the course of an interview. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that's for sure, yeah. And, uh, I, I find that interesting money, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So is is there a question that you've never been asked that you wish had been asked, so that's a bit of a different question, but uh, yeah, something that you wish somebody did ask yeah. you that nobody's had to ask. <laughs> yeah, you just asked away, you know. <laughs> I, I can't really about a question, but I've never been asked to tell you the truth. Oh, fair enough, yeah. So, um, I'm trying to password from my computer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Tell me to back off or what have you. You know, when I ask this question, I'm so I, please. I I'm not trying to intrude on privacy or anything like that here. But of course, over the course of doing my research, I came across a, a, a ream of articles that alluded to um, your sexuality and the like. Is that something you, you you are comfortable talking about now, or should we just leave that be? Oh no, I'm comfortable talking about that. Yeah, I've had all sorts of things happen in my life, and I'm, I'm easy to talk about it. people. Uh, my fans, everybody knows me inside out, so I'm all right with that. Yeah, go ahead. The reason I ask the question is, um, you know, we're living in in a in a day and age where there's obviously, a, you know, we have a lot of information about what's happening in the world these days, and you are an icon and you are somebody that people look up to. So, have you ever had someone reach out to you that's been in a similar position and said, "Thank you for doing what you've done and, you know, sharing your story," because now I feel comfortable about sharing mine. Yeah, quite, quite, yeah. Yeah, quite a lot of people have reached out to me, and uh, yeah, um, you know, it's actually become a little bit overwhelming to tell you the truth. But, um, so many people, so many of the fans, 
uh, I can't believe uh, how many of the fans were, let's say, well, abused, basically, when they were younger and stuff like that. And, uh, so they share their stories with me because they know I've been there too. So I'm, I'm quite happy about that. It's okay. Yeah, no, good on you. Yeah, I thought it was very courageous. Um, I, you only have to read the British tabloids to understand that they can be voracious in their appetite for controversy and for being very nasty. Um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're a bit over the top, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't quite have yeah, it down here, but yeah. Crazy. Yeah, fair enough. And um, look, I'll, I'll change track and I'll, I'll talk about the music again and... Uh, Touring, how do you find it, and what's your favourite country to tour? Well, uh, I definitely uh, enjoy touring Australia, that's for sure. But uh, every February for the last 20 years, I've been going to Japan, which is great. Take my wife. We have a, a bit of a, a family time as well. So uh, all the guys in the band love Japan. Yeah, cool. And I'm sure they're going to love Australia because these guys uh, maybe two of them have been to Australia with me before because some of the guys in the band have been with me 27 years so it's uh, yeah we're yep. going to have a good time Fantastic and um, what's your I should have asked this question earlier sorry but what's your, your favourite memory from, from the 70s you know I mean you were you know you were the really the first band since Beatlemania happened to inspire that kind of hysteria out of out of uh, you know young ladies and the like but so what's your memories from that period <laughs> well I remember Melbourne uh, was all shut down we were in the, the middle of it all and uh, I remember the, we were in a limousine and the I remember the, the fans all grabbing onto the limousine and they actually started to squash the the, the, the roof, started to squash Jeez, down yeah. on us. And we, yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty epic, really. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. Those those were great days. They were great days. Nobody got hurt. Nobody, nobody was hurt. So that that's the most important thing. Yeah, no, agreed. And um, what about the? Um, I was telling a, um, a a lass in the office today that I work in um, that I was interviewing you tonight, and of course she got very excited and um, wants to listen to the interview as soon as it's finished. <laughs> I'm going to send her a raw copy of it. But um, she she was telling me that um, about the um, the socks. I, I I didn't do I didn't go deep enough into the research to actually get to the point. But she's saying that people used to wear stripy socks. Is that is that a well known? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, can you tell us about that aspect of the band? And yeah, all we, the band's followers? Yep. Yeah, we stripy socks. We used to wear these stupid stripy socks, that's for sure. Um, the tartan was the thing that that, that really made us uh, huge all over the world. The tartan on the on the shops, the tartan on the trousers and all that kind of stuff. So we became a kind of like, uh, you know, a, a sales machine for Scotland, really. We were always saying Scotland, <laughs> Scotland, Scotland, you know. You know, Scotland, you know, and uh, there's a lot of people, of course, in Australia who came from Scotland, who emigrated to your country. Um, I remember when I was very young, maybe nine or ten years old, my next door neighbour moved to Australia, Jim, Jim Redpath, and he stood there, he's still in contact with me. He still sends me, you know, Facebook messages. Nice, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's great to be able to 
to touch back to those people who were around when I was a kid. It's brilliant. How, on that note, um, yeah, we do have that. I'm, my heritage is Scottish as well. I'm, I'm Australian, but yeah, my, if you go back, my heritage is Scottish. How important is your um, Scottish identity to you as a person? Well, uh, it used to be a lot more important than it is now, but um, I think uh, I think it's it's great. I mean, like I said, uh, last week I was on stage and there was twenty thousand people, Celtic fans in the Hydro in Glasgow, and they were just brilliant, absolutely great. So the people in Scotland are, are lovely people, just like the people in Australia, I'm sure, who love to be Australian, you know. And they want to be Scottish. So, yeah, let's make it happen. Yeah, fair enough. And, um, look, I did mention the football earlier. Um, What's your take on the old firm rivalry between the blue jerseys and the green and white stripes? Is that something that's still, in your view, based along sectarian lines? Or are people still sort of... Or are people now free to, say, choose a team based on who they... which team they like, effectively? Well, I have to tell you that I'm... I have to tell you that I'm not a big football fan. I'm a petrol head... I love watching Formula One and uh-huh. motorbike yeah, racing. Yeah. I don't I don't really I mean a couple of guys in the band are mad Tottenham fans and Arsenal fans and they always want to watch the football and I'm thinking, why would you want to do that? <laughs> so I'm not a really a big football fan at all. No, fair enough. Um, yeah, I just went to the Melbourne Grand Prix actually where um Sebastian Vettel won that one there. Do you go to the um Where's the Grand Prix held in England or the UK, sorry? Ooh. Ooh, Sebastian Vettel, no. <laughs> well, we wanted our, yeah, our, our man to win, you know. Good day. Daniel win, but... Um, um, yeah. we, we are very lucky. We get a lot of um, Formula One coverage over here on the BBC and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, there's a couple of great Australian drivers who are now commentators, Um on the on the BBC, that's yeah, great to see them. Yeah. Brilliant guys, yeah, yeah, yeah really great. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I really enjoy. It. It's my first time down at the Formula One. I went down with a mate actually, and I look. I I drive a V eight. I love um, V eight cars, and um, Formula One is just like the next step up. But I think it's one of those events that you've really got to go to in person first. Yeah. You know, really experience it live and hear hear the full roar of the engine as it's coming around a corner. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, it's so good, it's so exciting, it's brilliant. Yeah, that's it. So, um, sorry, mate, I, I am jumping around the the all over the place here, but you, you are a guy that, be, as I say, that I've been looking forward to talking to. So, I'm sort of just as questions come to me now, I'm just sort of mentioned. I'm just sort of you know that's asking okay. a question. Yeah. Um, what would you say to a band or an artist starting out in 2017? I'd say just pack it in, man. Leave space for me. <laughs> Good answer. It's probably the best yeah. answer to that question I've ever asked. So there you go. Give it up, man. It's not, yeah, yeah. There's no point in doing it. Just give it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's a rather that's a rather punk rock attitude yeah. of you to take. <laughs> yeah. Well, why not? No. Yeah, the way I'm. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. And um... no, uh, to be to be sure, um, it's great. It's a great life. I mean, you know. You can expect lots of uh, ups and lots of downs, and if you're ready for that, yeah, go go ahead and do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, what's what's your take on the music industry right now then? I mean, obviously you're an established artist with a very well-known reputation and, you know, that buzzword brand, but what's your take on the industry in 2017? Well, you know what? I really don't know. All, all that I do know is that uh, I've got my own record out now. Um, I don't know exactly how it all works, to tell you the truth. It's so different from when I was a kid when you had you know, actual products, you know, like vinyl that you would sell. And now it's all downloads and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't quite understand it all. I just enjoy doing what I'm doing. Um, and that's, that's about it, really. I just enjoy it. I really do enjoy performing live. It's, it's the best thing. It keeps me, it keeps me going, you know what I mean? <laughs> So I'm happy about that. I'm happy that people still want to come and see us, still buy the tickets and all that kind of stuff. And yep. So, yeah, I'm happy about playing live. The, the record side of it is great, but uh, I don't really understand it so much anymore. Yeah, fair enough, mate. All right, look, I'm going to let you go pretty soon, and I've got one final question, but it's split into three three parts and I ask this uh, of all of the people that I interview so I'd love it if you could humor me here and play along and um, your answers of course can be as not safe for work as you like because my program is R-rated so here goes (laughs) here we go Les McEwen choose three words to describe yourself happy Uh, just. Ooh, what's another word? Yeah, living it. Living it up. Is that, is that, that's more than one we'll, word. We'll put it? dashes on them so that, make, you know, living it, living dash, it dash up. So I can make one word. There you go. That qualifies. Yeah, okay. But just, just your, second, um, your second point there, was that religious? Is that what you said? Uh, I'm not a very religious person, but I do, uh, you know, I, I do... Sometimes when bad things happen, like, you know, like, for instance, last time in Manchester. Yeah. You do think to yourself, you do think to yourself, you know, oh, God, so sad, so, so. And then you do time to kind of, kind of get a bit of religion while it's going on, but um, that soon passes. I'm not a very religious guy. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, maybe or fortunately, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but the Buddhist really <laughs> yeah. when it gets down there. Now, fair enough, mate. And um, okay, uh, my wife is uh, she's she's from Japan, and she's have my uh, my father-in-law was a, a Buddhist monk. Actually, had his own temple. He passed away a long time ago, but um, when I was there, I was pretty much into it. And, you know, the Buddhist thing, it was really, it was really a, a good thing for me at that time in my life. So I was very yeah, appreciative sure. of being there. Yeah. yeah, there are principles and tenets of Buddhism that you could adopt without actually even following the faith and you'd, you'd be better off. Simple as that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful religion yeah. and it is one that exactly. teaches you, to, exactly. teaches you to, to, to shoot for Zen and... You know, the, you know, shoot for Zen and just hope you get somewhere halfway there, really. And uh, well, I know that's not the the actual teaching, but uh, 
that's certainly what I think our most of us. Yeah, well, it's kind of like it's kind of like about being yourself, isn't it? It's about doing it yourself. Uh, I do believe in that. I mean, I've had to look after myself all these years, so the the more I do that, the better I get. So if you know what I mean, I mean, I I do some stupid things like book the hotels from the bank, uh, figure out how you, who's going to be where, and all that kind of stuff. Should we should we go one hour towards the next gig? That night, or two hours to or like, okay, we'll finish the 10th, and we can go an hour towards the next, the next gig because it's like four hours away. So I, I work very hard at doing those little tiny little things, but somehow it makes me really happy to do that, you know, to work. And no, nobody else is doing it. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm deciding what's happening that day. Yeah. Yeah, no, good answer, mate. Um, appreciate that. And uh, look, I'll, I'll get to the, the next question because I have uh, no doubt you'll have something profound to offer here. And my question is, if you could go back to when you were 18 and give yourself some advice, what do you think you'd say? I would say get rid of that fucking manager. <laughs> <laughs> that is profound. I'd, I'd sack that fucking... Yeah, I'd, I'd sack him right away. <laughs> Uh, but you know, you never know what could have happened. Uh, all, all the all the crap that's happened, it's it's so much good and it's so much bad. It's, it's, it, at the end of the day, I've come out reasonably okay, so I'm not too upset about it. Yeah, fair enough. Good perspective on it, mate. It's a bit like when I asked that question, someone the other day said it's a bit like Back to the Future. You might not be. You know, you go and change one thing, or like the butterfly effect, you go and change one small thing, and you won't be where you are right now. And have all these wonderful experiences that you've got now to to share with me on this ah, call. That's and, exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Who knows what could have happened just with one little tiny difference uh, in the past? So, anyway, the thing is, it's happened. It's all good. I'm I'm in a good place now. I'm I'm touring the world. I'm 61 years old. I'm, I believe I'm able to still be singing. It's so brilliant. So I'm happy with a Larry, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, good on you, mate. Yeah, you've got a really good perspective on things, yeah. All right, so I'm up to my final question, um, and this is a good one. So what five guests, living or dead, would you invite to dinner? Hmm. I was on the, you know, Sometimes I go on YouTube and I look up um, different people that I like, uh, people like Prince, uh, who might or may not be a good dinner guest, I don't know. <laughs> uh, people like, <laughs> people like uh, David Bowie, who nice. I spent time with back when I was leaving the basic roles back in Switzerland. He was a, he was a great guy. Um, All right, I'm going to I'm gonna have to pause you there, Les. Share with yeah. us your David Bowie story. Go on then. Oh no, you're right. You you share you share with me your David Bowie story. <laughs> I, I just well, I love David Bowie and and <laughs> I, I, any artist that that mentions that they spent time with him, I'd, I'd love to you to share with the listeners what your David Bowie story is. Oh well, um, well we were in uh, where was it? Uh, oh, God, some place in Switzerland. <laughs> Sorry, I just forget the, the, the name of the lake right now. But we were recording our last album called. Changes in the wind, and I met uh, David Bowie's 
the girl who looked after his son, uh, who at that time was called Zui Boy. <laughs> um, so we got together and went back to their place. Um, and he was there with uh, Iggy Pop. They were writing songs down the basement. Yes. And, oh, God. It was, it, it was just spectacular because I've got a famous picture of me with David Bowie when I was a big fan back in 1971, something like that. He came to Edinburgh and I got a picture taken with him in the hotel there. And then uh, to meet him again was just such a like, thrill. It was brilliant, you know, and I'm in his house. <laughs> I'm looking after <laughs> his son and all. So, all right, yeah. It was pretty spectacular. It was, it was a great time. And he's a, such a great guy. He was such a great guy. Yeah, I hear that. I keep on hearing that from people who had some interactions with him. I, I, I've I've never met anybody that's oh, had. Yeah, so, yeah. He, he actually lived in Sydney for a period of time yeah, as well. Because he was such a good guy, he really was. He had all the time in the world for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. As a, as a kid, I just loved his music, and it's just one of those. He and um. And um, Freddie Mercury, long gone Freddie Mercury, of course, uh, in Queen. Did you um, did you have yeah. any, much interactions yeah. with Queen back in the day? Yeah, I used to party with him quite a lot. Oh, God, he was mad. <laughs> okay, so, was, yes, you've got to share with the listeners he, then your Freddie Mercury story. Yeah. He was mad in a good way. He was a very nice guy. He was a very nice guy. But he just, he wanted to live life two times over kind of thing. He was he, he was he was mad for partying, but a uh, lovely guy, really great. I do a, a tribute to those guys uh, on my show. I do a, a tribute uh, medley of uh, all the guys that I knew, like uh, David Bowie and Freddie Mercury and people that maybe in Australia you might not know, like the singer from Sweet, uh, singer from Mud. Yep. Did you ever... Have mud over there, tiger feet and all that. No, no, not that I not that I recall, but no doubt, no doubt, pr- probably, you know, with, yeah. with the greatest respect, I say this before my generation, um, people would know, but yeah, no, I'm not not familiar. Yeah, so there was um, there was uh, the guy from see the guy from uh, mud, Dave Bowie, from Mercury. Um, and also Alvin Stardust. Uh, I don't know if you know him, but uh, heard the name, yeah. People, um, oh, yeah. So we do a little bit of a medley for those guys just to remember them. It's good. It's good thing really well at the shows. Oh, good on you, mate. Yeah, no, that's yeah. I'll, look, I'm going to be at the show, so you'll be playing that part of the show, obviously in Australia as well. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Excellent. <laughs> I will. Excellent. Excellent. So, um, look, we, we've we've gone off on a very on an awesome tangent. Um, so, you've mentioned Prince. So these are the five people you've invited to dinner. So, I've heard Prince, David Bowie. I suppose we can include Freddie Mercury in the mix. Is that fair to say? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I would have. Um, I would have the guy from. Uh, let me think. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think I would have uh, the singer from Sweet and Les Gray from Mud. Yeah, that would do it. That would be a nice party. Although right. Freddie would probably get bored and want to go partying. 
I'm no doubt he would, yeah. Well, oh, there's a couple of times where, where the guest list just sounds too outstanding for me to not offer my services. So right now, if that, if that gathering ever happens, if the six of you ever get together, I'd love to be a waiter at that one. Sounds like I can be part of it somewhere. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame it can't happen, though. It's a pity. But uh, those guys are great. Absolutely great. I mean, I remember uh, when I first... Uh, I actually broke into the theatre called the Odeon in Edinburgh in 1971 and climbed up the drain pipes and went through the toilet windows to see David Bowie. And uh, Freddie Mercury was also supporting him. So that was uh, one of the first gigs I ever got to see, you know, because it was too expensive to actually pay for it. But, uh, but yeah, and so I broke in to see those guys. Uh, I risked my life. <laughs> <laughs> Risk your but, life for rock and roll, but, nice. Uh, yeah. But it was great. It was absolutely brilliant. It spiritualized me and it made me think, right, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to be that guy on the stage. I'm going to be a singer. (laughs) Well, you know what? I mean, the thing is, you've done it. That's the wonderful thing about you and your life is that you can say you've actually done it. You haven't dreamed. You've actually had the motivation and the... And the uh, and the brains to do it, mate. And um, many of us do just dream, but you've actually gone out there and done it. That's right. I can't. When I'm talking to you now, and you're making me think back to forty-five years ago and all that kind of stuff, and I'm thinking, God Almighty, what happened? <laughs> it's uh, it's been a good life. It's been good. There's been some bad bits, but uh, in general, it's been real good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we might finish there. Um, I really appreciate... You know what I really appreciate about, about this discussion is that we have had a discussion. Um, you know, um, you've been able to share a lot of information with me. It's going to make for a very interesting and very entertaining listen uh, for anybody who tunes into the podcast. Um, you're on... You're on. Are you on, You're obviously on Facebook and on Twitter, I take it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'll... Um, yeah, you can look on Twitter and... Facebook and stuff like that. Say hello, that'd be great. All right, yeah. Well, I'll 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 post it and I'll, I'll tag you in it. But uh, look, I really appreciate it. Again, you are a living legend. I was really looking forward to having our, our chat today. And mate, you've lived up to well, you've far, you've surpassed my expectations. To be honest with you, you've been a bloody good bloke, and all the very best oh, to you. Thank and, you so much. Yeah, I'll uh, see you down thank here. Seeing you when I come to Australia. No worries, mate. Okay, all the best. All right. Bye bye for now. Thanks, mate. Gotcha. You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was Les McEwen from the Scottish outfit Bay City Rollers. Thanks so much for listening.